This is the Digital Agency Insiders Podcast. Inside, you'll learn how to build, grow, and scale your digital marketing agency all from the comfort of your favorite coffee shop. Let's get started with the show. Everybody and welcome back to another episode of Digital Agency Insiders Podcast, the podcast that gives you a little inside look into how entrepreneurs have built and grown their digital marketing agencies. My name is Tabitha Thomas and I'm your host. And I just want to thank you for being here. Hit that subscribe button and get all of our latest episodes as we release ones each and every Tuesday. So today I have with me John Tromans. John is a digital marketing trainer and podcaster. He's the host of Not Another Marketing Podcast and Lockdown Land. He brings over 20 years of digital marketing experience to the table. He's a pro with web design, develop, design and development, SEO, project management, content creation, and selling. I'd imagine he stays pretty busy, but he managed to squeeze us in today. So John, welcome to the show. Thank you, Tabitha. It's great to be here. Great, great. Thanks for the invite. Looking forward to this. Super excited to talk with you. So 20 years is a long time to be in any field, but you seem to be uh, keep learning and growing and diversifying yourself. So what got you into the entrepreneurial game in the first place? Where would you, where did all this start? Uh, it started, yeah, it was a long time ago. I'm kind of old. <laughs> um, it's, it's, I started in radio. I worked working in radio publishing and I think the word publishing is kind of like an important word to use in a way because uh, we were creating content which is exactly what we're doing now on the web creating mm -hmm. content and uh, it was kind of like around the late 90s early 2000s when radio in the UK was becoming really corporate every radio station got rebranded to be exactly the same name all the identity was taken out of it. And there were a lot of us who, who were kind of like getting a bit disillusioned with all this because we came in to entertain people. We came in to have fun and, and you, know, you know, do the whole radio thing. And that was disappearing slowly. And at the same time, this newfangled fancy thing was starting up called the internet. Mm. And we were all thinking, this is cool, but we didn't look at it as a technology. It wasn't mm -hmm. a technology to us. It was almost like another publishing platform so we've got paper we've got uh, magazines we've got tv we've got radio and now we've got something else that we can actually publish on we can put our creative juices into this thing here and i think a lot of us moved over to it and we built websites we we sold websites we 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 made websites for other people and and that's pretty much how it started and i think for about probably 10 12 years i built websites built I like to say I built digital content for people okay. instead of just websites. So were you self-taught how to do website stuff or was that something you learned along the way? Um, the technical side was self-taught. Yeah, obviously. Cause I mean, back in 1996 that you couldn't, there wasn't a course. Yeah. Yeah. It, it just didn't exist. So uh, a lot of it was self-taught, but what, what you actually put on your website, the content, how you actually cr cr create this thing, it is very much the same as how you would have built a radio program or a television program back in the day. Mm -hmm. You are building something that is going to be useful to somebody and that somebody wants to use. As simple as that. And it was the same in radio. If you made a radio program, a TV program, and nobody watched it, nobody listened to it, you'd be fired. Simple yeah. as that. And it's the same. How many blog posts are written that nobody reads? So true, so true. So it's kind of thinking of your website as purely content. 
and move it away from that technical thing. Because I think in the 2000s, particularly, we got really fancy. And the, I think the, the designers almost, you know, they got their, their ego going, didn't they? The web developers and the web designers. And I say that in a nice way. Mm -hmm. and, and, and they started becoming really clever. And in the 2000s, we could do this, we could do that, you know, we could, we could use JavaScript to do this, we could have, you know, CSS was getting fantastic and, the, you know, Flash. Mm. Yeah. And, <laughs> and you, you remember seeing those websites where the little train chugs across the screen, showing mm -hmm. the menu behind it. And, and that was a bit rubbish, really, wasn't it? Because it was a bad user experience for absolutely everybody. Yeah. Um, and the whole idea of a great radio program, a great TV program, is that it's simple. It's easy mm. to watch. It's easy to understand. And I think the web since 2010s and the smartphone took off. Mm -hmm. I think the web has simplified itself. In Which is answer. always a good thing. It's simpler is always easier, always easier and always better. People enjoy it more. So, so what are some of the biggest challenges you remember facing your first six months of starting your business? Oh, internet speed. <laughs> Still an issue for me. What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, ge genuinely, the, the speed of everything, it, it was, it was absolute nightmare because you were building websites and building stuff and you would actually have to, you'd actually have to get off the phone. I need to dial up to the... Oh, I remember that. You know, yes. you'd use your, your telephone and it was like, yeah, I mean, I remember getting a second line into into the house. Just probably, to have internet, yeah. Just to have internet. And then they would charge you per minute. Mm -hmm. And it would be like a huge bill at the end of the month. There were none of these sort of like packages available and that sort of. So I think that was the biggest, that was one of the biggest problems. The, the, the other problem was that we couldn't do what we really wanted to do on the internet. And we can do that now. So there were times when I was building websites in the, particularly in the late 90s, where you think to yourself, you know, I'd love to be able to put a, put a radio program on there or a TV program on there. I'd love to be able to upload. So, but you just couldn't do that sort of thing. No, not properly anyway. It wasn't, mm -hmm. wasn't available. But we can do that now. So I think, yeah, internet speed was probably the worst thing. I, I, I don't think code or any of the technical stuff comes into it because we were dealing with what we had mm -hmm. back then so you didn't really think about oh my god it would have been lovely to have had youtube and embed videos into the page because youtube didn't exist yeah yeah so, so, so true yeah, yeah. okay so like oh gosh i remember those days all too well being a kid and my parents screaming at me for hanging out because i'd unplugged the phone line to plug in the internet cord because you know they would be on a phone call and i didn't know it oh my gosh i remember that so well <laughs> Yeah, my kids so, did that. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So as somebody that's been in websites for as long as you have and has seen the progress over the years, how or what are some ways that we can make our websites or our clients' websites better mm. uh, nowadays? Yeah, lots of ways. Lots of ways. <laughs> I, think, I think the biggest problem is always uh, identifying what the needs and the wants of the customer is and the client is. And, and thinking of every web, web page that you create as answering a question or, or meeting the needs of, of, a, of a person who, who lands on that page. So instead of, us, instead of a client going to a web developer or an agency or something and turning around, I want you to build me a website to sell my widget. 
and then you just build them a website to sell your widget and that's it and it's kind of like right we need a picture there we need some text there here's the text and then oh, it just ends up a mess. instead let's look at the questions that people are asking online let's understand what people want the journey um, that they want to take to buy the product at the end of the day and let's try and answer those questions specifically on mm -hmm. the page so we're coming at everything from a different angle instead of coming at it from a kind of like here's the text here's the pictures knock out a wordpress website for me please develop you know it's basically just like putting all the text and the pictures into it in, in, into like a framework and hitting publish instead yeah. of looking at it like that we're looking at it right okay so what did the customer want from me what, what do they ask what questions do they ask what do they need to know uh, and, and looking at it from that, that aspect, I think that's important. I think one really good little thing which, which everybody can do with their website is to imagine you've got a real bricks and mortar shop. Now, you, you might have one. Okay? Mm -hmm. and, and this works with products and services. So, so whatever you sell, whatever you do, you can do this. And then think to yourself, when somebody comes through the front door of my physical shop and they walk along my lovely carpet, and they come up to the counter and they say, hello, they'll ask me a question. And now, am I answering that question on my website? Mm -hmm. Then think to yourself, if I, if the only thing I could say to this person in my physical shop was the words on my web page, would I sell something? It's good questions to ask yourself. Because you might, when you see somebody in the shop, you might do a product demonstration. They might ask you this question after the product demonstration. That you, are you doing the product demonstration on your website? Are you asking that, answering that question on the website? Because people are typing all these questions into Google. They're asking Alexa and their phones all mm -hmm. these questions. So it's kind of thinking of the customer first and the design as such of the website second, I think. I think that's really good. Well, yeah, it's starting with a framework. The foundation needs to be there before you can build something beautiful on top of the foundation. So that's yeah. really yeah, great I, advice. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, I think focusing on benefits and features as well, and we've all heard this in, in mm -hmm. the marketing world before, but I still don't think we actually do it an awful lot. It's like blue jeans. If you take a pair of blue jeans, if you're selling blue jeans, right, and you walk into a, you walk into a physical store and you walk into the little booth and you try on some blue jeans, what's the first thing you do, Tabitha, when you try on those blue jeans? I'll take off whatever I'm wearing before. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You've, you've put your jeans on, you've tightened them up, you're, you're looking at these oh. brand new jeans. Well, then you check out your butt. I mean, that's obviously the next thing. <laughs> Exactly. That's what we do. We look around and we go, oh yeah, that looks good. That looks yeah. good. Okay, that'll work. It's the magic mirror. Everything looks good. But, but do we say that on our website? Yeah. Yeah. And it, does, it doesn't matter if it's got a zipper or buttons or what color they are. I mean, sometimes it does, but the most part, it's got to fit. It's got to feel good. It's got to make us feel good about ourselves. Exactly. And I think we need to get that sort of thing over on the website because this is what people really want to know about a product. They don't necessarily want a pair of blue jeans. They want a pair of blue jeans that makes them look good. Mm -hmm. Okay. So it's, it's not like it's just any old pair of blue jeans will do. It's a pair of blue jeans that will make me look good. Yeah. And feel confident. Yeah. There's so many psychological things you could add to that. <laughs> Yeah, so, so we talked about things to make it better. So let's talk about some mistakes that people should avoid when they are creating a website for the first time or even creating websites for their clients. 
Yeah, um, I, th- I think I think not putting enough above the fold. Okay. At the top of the page, sort of not when somebody loads a web page, whether it's on a on a desktop computer or mobile phone, whatever it is, uh, being able to understand exactly what the offer is instantly without having to fuss around, without having to scroll halfway down the page. So so we're putting so the page title at the top mm. is big and it's bold and it basically answers the reason why the person lands on the page Mm -hmm. you you might have a little bit of a subheading you might have some little bullet points you might have a little bit of a summary or something so that within the space of a mobile phone screen we can see everything that we're going to going to get from this page Uh, Mm -hmm. we know exactly what it is and there may be some jump links to forms and things like that because we don't want to be scrolling all the way down to the bottom of the page and then the port the, the form appears but because Nobody gets to the bottom of the page. So let's have some jump links at the top, some little call to action buttons, contact mm-hmm. us, get in touch, all these these sorts of things. So you can tap on it and get to the form um, pretty easily. So I think being above the fold and focusing specifically on that is really important. When you go into a supermarket or you go shopping, right, the stuff they want to sell you is at eye level. Mm-hmm. It's not on the bottom shelf. Mm-mm. And they pay so, premium for that spot. Exactly. So it's kind of like thinking about above the fold is really important because that's what people see instantly. But also above the fold, not just on a 26-inch beautiful Apple monitor or something, but also on a grubby little five-and-a-half, six-inch mobile phone. Mm-hmm. And that's where the challenge comes in because then you've got to you really funnel in and figure out what your message actually is. Yeah. I mean, another thing which irritates me, I, you're, you're, I'm going to go on forever with all the things that <laughs> irritate me with websites now. It's a, I mean, what do you think of sliders? Do, do you like image sliders? What do you th- what, what's your opinion on those? Because I can't stand them. <laughs> I don't know. It depends. I think it depends on the website. I think some of them are good because I can get a sense for for what I'm getting into quickly by seeing the sliders other times it just annoys me because i'm trying to read whatever this one is and then here comes the next one (laughs) yeah absolutely and i think it's also looking at the time somebody spends on a page so if you've got like i mean the worst i ever saw was 27 slides literally 27 slides with five seconds in between each slide and the average time spent on that page was about 35 seconds wow so so nobody saw past slide five or six or something like that ever and and in the background the website is preloading all of these all of these slides so that they're ready so it's slowing the website down down. yeah making it look horrible so i mean i'm not a big fan of sliders i'm really not i mean if you have to have a slider then i would say keep it on your desktop computer your Mm -hmm. desktop you know version of your of your website and maybe on the mobile side of it have a really nice static image maybe even a static image that changes it's a random one it's it changes each yeah. time the page page loads or something that you're not seeing the same but uh, getting away from this this instant movement this instant mm-hmm. this is scrolling this is scrolling that's scrolling um yeah that 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 gets on my nerves a, a little bit with with sliders especially the ones that take forever yeah um, well, I think the only time I really like them is, and honestly, this is like when clothing things are up and I'm like, oh, I can check out the inventory of whatever it may be 
easily without having to dig through things. I can just watch it come across and be like, nope, nope. Oh, I like that one. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You're absolutely right. I mean, I mean, on a, on a, on a shop. It's, yeah. Yeah. It's scenarios. It's all it yeah. is. Exactly. I mean, if you're a lawyer or, or you're, you're something, I mean, you don't need a slider, do you? No, you don't. <laughs> no. And you, do, you don't need a slide for the about us page. No. 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 Because no, there's a label at the top which should say someone like meet the team. Mm-hmm. And that's how you get to it. And it's, yeah. So, I mean, I would look really hard at, at image sliders and, and how, how they use, because they can slow a website down. And they can be just pointless if they last too long because yeah. literally nobody is ever seeing them. Yeah. And especially after the second slide, usually after the second slide. Yeah. So, uh, so is there things or questions that we should be asking a web designer? Let's say we've got the foundation work. We know exactly what we're wanting to, to say to our clients. What do we ask our web designer before we hire them? Oh, good question. Yeah. I mean, you want to see some of their work, obviously. Okay. You want to check out some of their work. Um, I think one of the main things is, it's really and when you say check out their work, this is not like a portfolio type thing. You want links to actually yeah. go and visit those sites, not just the design of it. Absolutely. Yeah. You want a link and you want to be able to, yeah, you want to be able to do it. I, I think you want to ask people about, I mean, most, most designers now are going to be throwing websites out on WordPress, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think it's about 38% of the web now is, is WordPress. It's ridiculous amounts, huge amount. And I think looking, ask, asking your web developer about what type, will, I, will this website still work in three years? Right. Okay. okay. So, so will the theme, can you still update the theme in mm-hmm. three years? Can, can we still update the plugins you're going to use in three years okay 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 because you can end up in a situation where you've bought a theme from theme forest or something for $19.95 mm-hmm. that's been made as a computer sciences project and you don't know that mm. you don't know that right and you install it and you pay thousands for your web developer to install this beautiful theme or something and fill in all the little bits and bobs and and make it a nice website and then the theme developer gets a job and it never ever gets updated and then wordpress updates and you click update and the website breaks breaks. oh it's happened oh it's happened (laughs) so i think looking at the theme you're going to use and is is the theme going to give me let's say 99% of all the functionality I will ever need in a website so that only 1% of the functionality comes from plugins. So we're looking at, we're looking at proper themes, like maybe something like the Divi framework is one, which, which comes to mind or the Genesis framework or something Mm -hmm. like that, where, where the theme has the built-in slider. So we don't have to go and get a slider plugin. The theme has integrations with WooCommerce. So we Mm -hmm. only have to go and get WooCommerce. We don't have to get 36 other plugins to make WooCommerce do what we want it to do. Yeah. And, and trying to restrict the amount of plugins, trying to make sure that the theme is bought from a, a company that employs people that looks as if it's going to be around for the next few years. Or it has been around for at least a few years and not just something that popped up yesterday. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think 
sometimes I, I understand why developers go to places like Theme Forest, and there's lots of great stuff, obviously, on Theme mm -hmm. Forest and places like that. But I understand why why they buy these. $20, $30 themes and just install it because they have to churn. They have to chuck stuff out. They have to churn volume of websites out to pay the bills. Yeah. So they can't sit there faffing and fiddling and messing around. They, they literally, so I say charge more. <laughs> That's a good point. <laughs> charge more money. Leave and then the be cheap. able to buy the bigger plugins, the better plugins. Yes. Yeah. Leave the cheap websites for people to do themselves on Wix or something. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So I would definitely say when you're talking to a web developer, ask them about what's going to happen in the future. You know, it, is, is there a good chance I'm going to have to get this website redesigned? Because if I, if I try and update WordPress to 5.5 is coming out soon, if I try and update, is it going to break? Yeah. Mm. Oh, mm, mm, mm. Good point. Good point. So what is your take on content marketing and how can it help the average small business? So you talked about websites being basically content marketing. So tell, mm. let's go down that hole. <laughs> yeah. I mean, content marketing in, its, in itself is, is everything we do on the web. What we're doing right now is a piece of content marketing. Mm -hmm. um, whatever you do on YouTube is a piece of content. When you create something that's creative or you create any sort of piece of content at all, and you put it on the internet, put it on, whether you put it on Facebook or anywhere, it's a bit of content marketing. Mm -hmm. We're trying to attract search results. We're trying to uh, attract um, results from our, for our advertising. So we're trying to, we're trying to bring people in from a, from a Google ad or a Facebook ad or something onto a landing page and, and help them do something with us, help them help us get some engagement. So Content is absolutely everything. But again, we always have to think about the pre-content. So mm. it's like, it's what is it people are asking for? What do they need to know? And then we create it. Because we can all sit there and think, to, oh, that's a great idea. That's a fabulous idea for a blog post. I'm going to write that now and I'm going to spend three days writing this fabulous blog post. Doesn't it look beautiful? I, you know what? I'm going to hire a graphic designer to make me some graphics. I'm going to spend money. And then you find out that nobody actually wants that question answered. The mm. customer doesn't because in a sense, we are not our customers. You are not your customer. I'm not my customer. So we need to listen to what they want. We need to do about old keyword research and look at the searcher intent side of things so that we're not just sort of like building a transactional website. We're just not trying to sell people things. We're trying to, uh, I don't know, trying to, give them a lot of information, give them yeah. a, lot of, um, a lot of education as well. I, I, I do some work with a, a company that sells kids' bikes, small kids' bikes. Okay. And, and they have a great piece of content on their website that talks about when you're teaching your kid to ride a bike right at the beginning, right? Do mm -hmm. you go for a bike which has stabilizers or a balanced bike? Right, they're two different types of bikes mm -hmm. that you can teach you. Now, they don't mention their brand. They don't mention their bikes. Uh, but they've got some YouTube videos on the page, and they're explaining the difference between the two types of bikes and why one could be better than the other. And they let people make their own decision. But all around that content is their brand. So they're introducing their brand name to people way before they're ready mm -hmm. to make the purchase. And they may never have heard of them before, but now they do. And they will remember that brand name, hopefully, in the future and come to it. So I think we need to look at content marketing on different levels. 
information, education, a little bit. Yeah, of that's what I was going to say. They're educating their, their, their potential buyers, which is big. Yeah, absolutely. And I think looking at the structure of a piece of content as well. So like we said before, when everything above the fold, so we've got nice call to action buttons, nice headlines, nice titles. We actually answer those questions really quickly and really easily to people. And we don't hide any of the information um, against, you know, fancy tab type things. Yeah. Click this tab to appear. You know, you might need more than one page if you're starting to put things in lots of tabs. You might need more than one page. And so just keep things simple. But, but I think the key thing is to think pre-content. Mm -hmm. What are people looking for? What do they want? Let's do the, the keyword research, the phrase research, and then write the content based on what we know people are actually looking for. That's good advice. That's good advice. So sense. yes, total sense. Yeah. Well, we talk about, you know, podcasting being content in itself. So tell us a little bit about your podcast. You've got not another marketing podcast and lockdown land, which I'm loving the name of. <laughs> yeah. So tell me about these two podcasts. Um, well, not another marketing podcast. I sat there one day looking for marketing podcasts on Google and I got to about page 15. Oh, gosh. And, like, you know, and there were still marketing podcasts. And uh -huh. I'm thinking to myself, oh, man, not another marketing podcast. So I thought that'll do. That'll do. Um, so yeah, what I wanted to try and do was create a podcast that was a little bit different to the norm. So it's less conversational. It's more questions and answers. It's more getting experts on, talking to them, asking them a question, and then getting to it's, it's less conversational than, than this type of, of gotcha. example. Yeah. Um, I got a little bit tired. Not, not like I've seen yours and they're lovely, but I've seen some podcasts where there's 10 minutes of self-congratulatory. Oh, you know, you're great. Life, sorry, the, oh, you're amazing. Oh, you're so great. No, you're great. Oh, no, no, but you're great as well. And it's like, can we just get on with it? You've, you've listened to them, haven't you? Uh-huh. Yeah. 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 Let's yeah. just get into the content. That's what I came here for. Exactly. And we all sit there again. If, if podcasters watched what people did on their podcast software, mm. right, and they hit that plus 30 second thing, mm -hmm. don't they? So if somebody says, as soon as somebody says, hi, welcome to the pod for, for 30 seconds. Mm-hmm. Oh, has it started yet? No, it's still not started. Let's go. Oh, God, it's still not started. Yeah. And um, we do, don't we? We do that. Uh -huh. So, so, so I, th I think, I think again, looking at user behavior, how they're behaving and how they're, they're looking at podcasts. Um, that was one thing I wanted to try and do was not, you know, just get straight in there. If we yeah. Can. Yeah. And, it, and the podcast is pretty cool. Well, I quite enjoy doing it. Yeah. I quite well, enjoy doing it. That's uh, good. Lo Lockdown land is, is, was kind of like my little project for lockdown. I started to say, is this new since it's, or did you have this name before all the, the COVID no, happened? <laughs> no, it was, it was kind of like, a, I think it was second week in March and everything locked down. Okay. And every single contract and every single client emailed and said, we don't want anything doing, doing now, thanks. We have no idea what's happening. So yeah. let's put everything on hold for now. And then I, I twiddled my thumbs for a few days and thought, what, what do we do? for that time. So I thought one of the things I can do is a little bit more podcasting. So um, yeah, set of lockdown land, which um, will probably stay. It's on a hiatus at the moment because we're kind of like not really locked down, but we are, but we aren't. 
it's such a limbo state right now. Nobody, nobody mm. knows what to know or feel is where we are right now. <laughs> yeah. Who do we believe? Yeah, but it's kind of like looking at the things that you could have done in podcast. Like there's an interview with a with an author, and uh, say you know you want to write a book during lockdown. Let's let's write a book during lockdown. Let's let's write a book. And and he gives you know it's an interview with him about how he wrote his book. And I think there's a great yoga interview as well and and five albums you must listen to yeah. tv shows you've got to listen to that sort of thing so the lockdown land was a little bit of fun that we put together and, and put out during lockdown and if lockdown two happens then, <laughs> then there'll be a second series let's all there. pray that does not happen please don't well, let that happen <laughs> absolutely but i think um i think seriously and since we were thinking about podcasting as content i think a lot of businesses a lot of organizations um could could do a lot 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 of good podcasting yeah so that was my next question how can it help small businesses and freelancers doing podcasts yeah, besides I, I, having something fun to do and getting to meet new people and exactly yeah i think one great thing about a podcast is that it doesn't have to be public so you don't have to put your podcast on spotify or itunes or stitcher you really don't have to Okay, you can keep your podcast on your website, you can keep it private if you want to. So that opens up a whole, whole, you know, world of, of different ideas for businesses. Because mm -hmm. I work with an with a mortgage bank um, in the UK, and we they put together a podcast, they have a 130 financial advisors who sell their products, sell their mortgage products, and they produce private podcasts once a month that help their financial advisors um, sell their products better. So they can listen to a half hour interview. They're talking to some of the sales team, maybe the CEO, maybe some big banking type people. And they're discussing and talking about the industry. But this isn't on iTunes and it's not on Spotify. You can't get it anywhere. It is only for their, cli oh. their, their clients. It is only for them. And it, it works really well because it, it helps it helps their their client, which is the financial advisor, sell more of their product. It's ingenious. Yeah. So we don't have to have everything out there. Um, it doesn't have to be on YouTube like this. I mean, yeah. my, not under the marketing podcast is just audio only. Um, mm -hmm. It doesn't have to be on YouTube. It, it can be quite private. And I, I think that's a. That, I think then podcasting becomes quite powerful, really and quite useful for a lot of niche industries. Mm -hmm. I know somebody else who does a podcast on aluminium. Really? 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 I love that you said that word. I love the way you guys say that. Sorry, aluminum. <laughs> aluminum. Aluminum. <laughs> what in the world do they talk about? Is there enough to do a podcast on that? I mean. I have no idea. I mean, they test, they test aluminium, aluminum. They, they, they say so, so, so like, um, airlines will send them some of their their cheap, cheap metal and they test it to see whether and do this but they provide a small podcast that goes it's not very often it's only once every couple of months they put a podcast together giving information on testing processes on about you know all the aluminium geeks out there yeah um, but there's plenty of them but it's another way that a podcast i think a great thing about podcasting itself is that it's uh it it's um it's non-disruptive. 
marketing. So it doesn't disrupt anything you're doing. It, to watch a YouTube video, you have to watch a YouTube video. You can't write an article or answer emails at the same time as watching a YouTube video. It's mm -hmm. the same with any other type of, of marketing in a way. You've either got to read some content, you've got to look at some. When you're looking at just audio on its own, it's completely non-disruptive. You can drive your car listening mm -hmm. to a podcast, but you can't really drive your car watching a YouTube video. Well, you, mm. shouldn't, you shouldn't be anyway. No. <laughs> um, and, and it's totally non-disruptive. And I think that, again, puts podcasting in a very powerful place because people can be doing other things at the same time as listening to your, your message, your, your brand, whatever it is you're, you're doing. Yeah. So yeah, because I'm, I'm one of those that's notorious for listening to them in the car and then on my treadmill. That's my favorite. I can actually get housework done or get on the treadmill and do something. You feel like you're doing something productive at the same time. Yeah. It, yeah. It's uh, I think there's, uh, there's some stats in the UK from, um, uh, from the radio authority in the UK, which actually measures podcasting stats and figures and things that's something like a uh 70 something percent of people who listen to podcasts do it when they're exercising yeah yeah yes yeah. yeah. so I, I listen to it yeah but i think so i think yeah i think for a business i think a podcast can be a really really good idea it also builds authority doesn't it it builds yes. trust and authority if you can see somebody and you can hear someone and you know what they sound like and you can relate to them in some way it builds a certain amount of trust rather than just seeing this web page that could have been made by anybody. Mm -hmm. Well, and it also helps you build a community within the people that you're on your podcast with, because I've had that experience where people are coming to me. I'm like, I've got a question about this. And I know, I know you probably know somebody and I was able to connect them to where they could help each other out. Whereas they both just talked to me. I was the only, that was the only middle ground was that I interviewed both of them. Yeah, and I and thought I that was incredible. Yeah, yeah, you don't get that just from a website, do you? Mm -mm, mm -mm. No, no, you get that, and I don't think you get so much of that nowadays from social media either. I think, I think we've, I think there's a certain level of blindness now to social media. A little bit, yeah. Yeah. Well, and I feel like this is because we are in lockdown and everything is still kind of not normal. Uh, this is a way to have almost one-on-one -on -one interpersonal communication. It's like, you know, being able to go to some meeting and meet people. It's, it's just a different way of doing that. So. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, yeah. So I'd say a lot of businesses, I'd look at, look at it. Uh, definitely. I mean, it, it's, it's not the easiest mm -hmm. thing to have to put together, as you know, a, a podcast, yeah. you know, you might think to it, oh, I just need a microphone and a Mac and yeah. I will do, but there's, yeah. there's, you know, there's a lot of planning. There's a lot of strategy. There's a lot of lot of things you've got to think about uh, behind the scenes and that. So, yeah, but I think it's good for businesses, yeah, to, to be able to just build their authority and build their trust, which is a huge thing you need to do when you with online. Yeah. So true. And if you're an agency owner and you're looking to uh, find clients, having guests on that are your potential clients is a great way to get in front of them and and uh, have some good conversations. Yeah, you're abs absolutely right. I think um, I think gone are the days where we protect absolutely everything. Mm -hmm. uh, we can invite guests on. We can invite experts. Um, maybe we're not an expert in that particular field in our agency, but we get a guest on to mm -hmm. explain something that we don't know everything about, sort of thing. Um, and I think that's a really good way to um, yeah to, to to use a use a podcast. And yeah, it just it just makes people like you a little bit more, doesn't it? 
Yeah. Yeah. I know that sounds really simplistic, but if, but when you look at sales, when you look at any type of marketing, it is the raw thing mm -hmm. that you're trying to do right there. The basics of it is make people like us. Mm -hmm. Like, know, and trust right there, right there. Yeah. Yeah. So, so what type of topics should most people focus on when they're developing their social media strategy? I think, I think, again, you, you split things between that old thing. I always come back to the BBC, why the BBC was created years and years and years ago. Um, and it's information, education, entertainment. That, that's, that's in their core, you know, mm -hmm. as a public service broadcaster, that's what they have to do legally by law, is educate, inform, and, um, and entertain. And that's what they do. So I think looking at all those three things now for different brands, you're going to have a different percentage of, of different things. So if you're mm -hmm. a cool, funky, I don't know, modern, young, much younger than me marketing agency, <laughs> then you, you might want to do a little bit more entertainment mm -hmm. and say I would. Because like I'd just be throwing out dad jokes all day long and everybody would just be on hitting the unfollow button really, really quickly. Either that or you'd have a big following. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so, so, so yeah, you, you look at the split between what you do and it's information, education, entertainment. So you can entertain people, but you also need to inform them of what you do, what your products are, what your services are, how you can help people, how you can solve their problems. Uh, uh, that's what, so again, it's, it's coming back to the old keyword research and the whole intent side of things. We're trying to find out what questions people are asking about our product or our service or what it's we're doing. Um, and we're looking at the different stages of the buying process. So, so for example, it could be if you're buying a new car, for example, you're not just going to load up Google and just buy a new car. You mm -hmm. just don't do that, do you? Think to yourself, well, oh, my car's old, I need a new car, right? Let's do some research. I don't know what SUVs are on the market. I have no idea about what brands and makes there yeah. are. So we just, and then we get a piece of content that answers that question. Well, we can be doing that with our, with our social media. Um, and, and information, um, education as well, educating people on how to make their business or their organization better of the same i think that's that's very important as well but i think you have to you do have to be careful how much of it you do because mm -hmm. i think you can end up just sounding like you know preachy preachy just, yeah mm, sort of like this is how you do this this is how you do. and there's a lot of brands that do that yeah there's a lot of brands that do well there's that. a lot of people too when it comes to the education side of things that are a little bit scared to put too much out there like if i teach you how to do this are you actually going to need me and that is so far from the truth because you, you just because you teach somebody how to do something and they understand it doesn't mean they want to do what you've just taught them to do because <laughs> a lot of the times they they want to hire somebody like i want to understand it but that doesn't mean i want to do it yeah i i, I work with somebody who was a ma uh, makeup artist and did make wedding makeup did wedding makeup and we were we've been saying to her for ages and ages and ages you've got to put some videos up because you're really good you're really, really good at what you do. You've got to show everybody. So we've got to get some videos of that. I don't want to show people how to do the makeup because they'll do their own and they won't hire me. And, and we finally persuaded her to put all these beautiful videos together showing how she did everything. And everybody tried it at home and thought, God, that's hard. Yeah, it never goes that way. Yeah. They make it look easy. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's like doing your own brows or something like that. And it's like the first time you do it, you think, right, okay, so I've got no brows now. 
So, so I, I need to get an expert to do this because they know what they're doing. But no, we put these videos out. We put them on the website. We put them on YouTube. We did some Facebook advertising and just, yeah, she was booked. Yeah. yeah, I started saying just because you teach somebody, especially that scenario, when it comes to their special event, they're not going to want to do it themselves. They're going to want to hire somebody because they want that day to feel special. Yeah, absolutely. And, and the experts have always made simple things mm -hmm. look easy, haven't they? Look it's like easy. when you hire, a, you hire a, a plumber or something and he comes in to fix your heating or something and he just goes tap, tap, twist, and it's mended. And you think, 150 for that? Seriously? Yeah. Is yeah. That? But, but it's, it's, the, it's knowing that that's what you've got to do, isn't it, at the end of the day? So you're not going to lose business from showing people how to do things. I think you can get more business because what you do is actually, hopefully, quite hard. Mm -hmm. And just because you make it look easy, nobody sees the years and years and years of practice and, and training and all the stuff you did leading up to that point. So yeah, you go on YouTube and get some brain surgery videos and you get, <laughs> oh, that looks easy. How simple is that? Whoa. I, mean, I dare you to try it yourself. Get yeah, no, <laughs> no, no, thank you. No, no. But it's, yeah, it's true. That's so true. So what lesson or value do you think you've learned the most becoming an entrepreneur that maybe everyone needs to know what's the biggest value that you've you, that you've walked away from being an entrepreneur um i, I think mm, oh that's really I, uh, <laughs> I think it's two things i think i think listening to people i, I think okay. i made the, I, I made the mistake in my 20s i didn't listen enough i thought i thought i know that i know this i know everything i know it all and i'm just gonna blast it out there Mm. You can buy it if you want. I think listening, uh, the one thing is listening to what people want. I think that's, that's kind of really important. But I think the biggest thing is kind of like away from, from work and stuff. I think when you get to a certain stage, you, you get control of your time a lot better. Mm. Because you can start structuring how, how your work life works for example. So I have an early alarm, not too early, but you know, early-ish, but I'm, I'm, I'm absolutely dead certain that I'm going to be there finishing at sort of like six o'clock at the latest in the evening. I'm not mm -hmm. going on any longer than that because I've done a 12 hour day by then. If you can't get what you've got to do into a, tw for that day, into a 12 hour day, then you've got to hire people or, the, or there's something wrong. Mm -hmm. It's as simple as that. So I, I, I think, I think being able to command time a little bit better, not filling you to, I always made the mistake of filling my to-do list for the day with like three days of work. Yeah. And then you get a four o'clock in the afternoon and you look at your to-do list and you've not done half of it. And then you get stressed mm -hmm. and you get hassled and then you start moaning at people and whinging at people and you don't become fun. And, uh, and this is self-inflicted stress. Yeah. If you fill your your to-do list with what you can actually physically do that day then you, you you as a person become much calmer in yourself and you actually accomplish more mm -hmm. at the end of it and it takes i understand why because i mean i had that same thing in my 30s where it was just like you know you've got to do everything everything yes you know, it's almost like a badge of honor sitting there at one in the morning with the laptop open you know yeah. It, yeah. Yeah. And, and uh, as an old man, as you stated right at the beginning. Oh, I didn't um, call you an old man. Don't call me out on that. 
Um, it's one of the things you learn in old age that it's better to be able to control your time, I think. So I think, I think that's the biggest thing I've learned from, from doing all this over the years. Yeah, definitely. That's really good advice. Very good advice. So do you have any projects or anything that you've got coming up that you'd like to share with us? Anything new? Yeah, I mean, the big thing which I'm working on at the moment is um, it's got a better website for a fiver. Okay. So a fiver. I'm pretty sure Americans use the phrase fiver. Wikipedia, okay. Wikipedia told me that they did. So when I was when I was researching the name, and a fiver, <laughs> a fiver in the UK is is five pounds. It's presumably okay. Five so pounds. five bucks here, yeah. Five, yeah, yeah. Which well, is about seven and a half, but you know, with your conversion rate. Um, yeah. Uh, but it's basically what what I've tried to do is to create a big knowledge bank. It's almost like a training course. Um, but it's more of a knowledge bank. So it's, it's like articles, it's training videos that I've, I've built over the years. It's, uh, uh, it's podcasts. It's lots of different types of content with the whole idea is to help people make their website better. So mm -hmm. keyword research, searcher intent, I don't know, dealing with images, dealing with video on your website, call to action buttons, forms, navigation menus, all of this sort of thing. It's kind of like telling people what the best practice is. Yeah. So even if you're a web developer, if you're a marketer, even if you're just a business owner and you're coming to get a new website built, you know what sort of questions to ask of your web developer. And if your web developer says, well, you know, well, I've got this cool thing where we can, you move your mouse over here and then you click that and you swipe across the top there and then you click something else and the navigation menu appears. Well, then if you read my article, then you'll, you'll know to tell the web developer to just no. No, just let's have a simple navigation menu yeah. that actually works. So the idea was to put all of this together and to sell it for a fiver, for okay. five, five pounds, seven dollars and whatever it is cents. And make it accessible to just about everybody. Absolutely okay. everybody. Um, I, I'm a big, big fan of social mobility and offering people opportunities in life. I think I, 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 I'm a huge huge fan of that and I think I get a lot of lot of students email me and say can I have a, a day of training and you you send them a price and I just can't afford it you know I can't afford it they've, mm -hmm. been, to they've been to marketing college and they're doing a job interview and the job interview says do you know a little bit of SEO and they think well no Margaret, you know three my three-year degree didn't tell me any SEO whatsoever or even if it did it's changed since then yeah exactly <laughs> so it's kind of like so, so this is kind of like for everybody so, so it's a couple of cups of coffee. That, that, that's yeah. all it is. And you can get a huge amount of information about literally just how to make your website better. I love it. I love that. Love that. So the last question that I always ask everybody on my podcast is, is there anything that you're currently reading, watching, or listening to that's helping you grow as a, as a business owner, as a human being? <laughs> And it doesn't have to be work related. No, well, you see there again, you see, I'm really unfashionable when it comes to reading things. I did all the reading of the book. I, I read Richard Branson's biography in my thirties. Um, and, and now a lot of my watching and reading and things like that is, is literally dedicated to relaxation because mm -hmm. I, I, I honestly believe, I don't know, I sound like an old hippie now, but no. I, honestly, <laughs> I, I, I honestly believe that having time on your hands and being able to control your time uh, is more important than, than anything to be, be, to be quite honest with you. And it improves your work. Mm -hmm. so, if I, so if I can sit there in the evening 
anyway, if I've had a really busy day and I've done, all I've been doing is sat in front of that flaming screen and it's just burning my eyes all day and it's like, just take it away. I can then go and sit at my distance television set downstairs and I can watch a movie. I can just mm -hmm. go and watch a movie or something. And, and you can just relax. You can chill. You can forget about work completely. You can just you know, forget about it. I'm a huge advocate for that. I call it that my brain needs to defrag. You know, that's my time for my brain to just shut down and just watch junk and not think about anything. Just let it chill. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So what am I watching? I'm watching Outsider at the moment, which is very cool. I'm learning. Outsider. Outsider. Yeah, it's, uh, okay. it's on Amazon Prime. It's pretty cool. Um, I'm learning an awful lot about Scottish history that I really should have been listening to at school. Mm hmm. We didn't really get taught much Scottish history. I don't know whether it's because I was brought up in England. Yeah. That's probably not mentioned very often because, you know, it wasn't that's, that's my heritage there. I'm, I've got very much so Scottish blood in me. So I love that you're learning oh, that. Yeah. Well, well, oh, you'll love this. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah I was like, I'm going to write that down so I can yeah, go check write that, that out. One down. So, so, yeah. And, and reading, what am I reading at the moment? Oh, I'm reading The Stand at the moment by Stephen King. Oh. <laughs> which I thought, I thought we got a global pandemic on the, on the go. So we gotta we gotta read the stand, which is basically like it looks as if it's a manual for governments, oh, really, and, and not a book. It, uh, it's crazy book. It's a it's and it's crazy. I mean, this was written like in the what late seventies, early eighties. The stand, I don't I think. know. And I don't, it's, it's one I haven't read of his. Yeah, it's so true. It's so true. Hmm. Um, it's scary, scary hmm. true. Um, but um, but yeah, but 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 what that does in a way is being able to completely switch off and, and rest your mind and mm -hmm. rest your brain. It, it gives me more energy then to be able to focus on my work during the day so I can genuinely get more done in the 10 hours, 12 hours I work a day compared to what I used to do in my 30s when I was working 16 hours a day. Yeah. Well, and when you're, you're exposing yourself to something outside of work, it has a tendency to inspire other ideas that couldn't come unless you'd tried something different or watched something different or read something different. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. Yeah, I, I think um, looking at what everybody else is doing, I mean, I mean I'm, I'm not ashamed to admit that the idea for the better website for a fiver came from Mike Vardy, who's a pro product productivity, oh, just about to say that, um, <laughs> person. Um, I'm not sure of his website, but look it up and he's got a $5 guarantee. Which, which I bought off him and I went through it. And it's basically very similar to what I've created uh, is that you get your time back. It teaches you how to craft your time and, and how to work on your to-do lists and things. And it's kind of like just a $5 guarantee. You can get yeah. a, you know, better control of your time for five, better website. Five. So, I mean, yeah, reading what other people do, looking good and learning from other people. I think, yeah, we've always done it, haven't we? I mean, the mm -hmm. Beatles used to learn from learn from Elvis and the Stones learned from the Beatles and it all works down so that we've now got all the modern music that I don't know. No. <laughs> yes, they're saying you like the modern music being a, a former uh, radio guy. Yeah, yeah, a long time ago. Yeah, I think it was, um, it was oh man, I was still in the, in the days of like, and here's Celine Dion. <laughs> Uh, ag again again <laughs> well john it has been a blast getting to talk to you getting to know you and and thank you for sharing some of your knowledge with us uh, pleasure really enjoyed it really good chat um yeah have a, have a nice day yeah so where can people get more from you um, right. So you can find my website at jtid.co.uk. It's jtid.co.uk. 
www.ghostbusters.co.uk. Uh, you can look me up on Twitter as well. I'm there um, and LinkedIn. Uh, I don't do an awful lot on Facebook. I'm not really a Facebooky person, to be honest with you. But t- Twitter's cool. Face- yeah, just get in touch there. Ask any questions. Say hello. All right. I love it. Well, thanks again for being on. No worries. Thank you, Tabitha. All right, guys. We'll see you next Tuesday. You've been listening to the Digital Agency Insiders Podcast. For more tutorials on growing your digital marketing agency, make sure to visit digitalagencyinsiders.com.